You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Thank you. Well, I want to start out by saying again, I'm so grateful for the Craigs and their household and our worship team and all the work and energy that goes into bringing our Sunday services to you. My name is Steve Marici, and I want to take this opportunity to welcome you here to the South Bay Church. Uh, I hope this past week has been a good one for you, and uh, I did want to take this opportunity to welcome our guests who are visiting. Um, I want to go ahead and open up with a prayer, and then a couple of items I wanted to touch on, and we'll get into the message this morning. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Oh, Father, thank you for another day in your kingdom. Thank you for the way that you love us. Uh, thank you for the gift of salvation that we got to hear about in such a heartwarming way with the songs that have been sung so far today. Uh, I do want to petition you on behalf of Mia Steberg and her health God. Continue to work miraculously there. Uh, be with the doctors. Be with her recovery. Uh, just be with her state of mind and her uh, connection with you, God. Also pray for Lori Anderson and her uh, just her healing, that uh, she's moving along and making great progress, as well as for Mark Steberg's dad. I pray that his health is being restored as we speak, as I pray. But Father, uh, we thank you that during times like this, we can call out to you. We can rely on you. We know that our prayers are heard. We're so grateful for the love that you've demonstrated for us through your son, Jesus Christ. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Now, most, most of you know that I'm a, I'm a grandfather. And uh, probably one of the most amazing chapters in my life, which didn't have a whole lot to do with other than having a couple of kids. But uh, I got a text from my daughter-in-law, my daughter-in-law, Erin Marici, and she was having a conversation with Cadence. And she asked Cadence when God was born. And mind you, my granddaughter's four years old, but I was pretty impressed with the answer. She says, God's been alive forever, except for three days that he died. But that's okay, because then he'll never die again. Out of the mouth of babes. I mean, I, I thought that was a pretty impressive answer for a four-year-old. I did want to uh, just, uh, I know Brian had mentioned it last week, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background on, uh, again, if you're our guest here this morning, or we're part of an international church, and we take uh, great uh, solace knowing that we have the ability with all that we have here in the United States to be able to help countries in other areas of the world and with that, we sponsor a number of teams with an annual missions offering that we take up. Our goal in coastal Los Angeles is $400,000. And as of right now, we've collected over $380,000 of that goal, which, as you can see on the slide, goes to the Middle East, Mexico, Central America, the Baltics, and the Nordics. But then right here in the South Bay, our goal is $126,000, which we did hit last week. We we're over $130,000 so far. So... Uh, Guys, very commendable. Uh, God is obviously pouring out his blessings, not only for us, but through us, we have the ability to bless others in a great way. So I uh, just wanted to mention anything that I know a number of you already have this set up uh, as far as uh, electronic giving on CCB. Anything from uh, the beginning of June on will end up going towards our special missions for next year. Just wanted to make you aware of that. And um, with that, transitioning into our new series. Two weeks ago, Brian started us out with the book of Philippians, and the goal remains the same this morning, which is, uh, we want you to get a DUI. <laughs> now, can anybody remember what that acronym stands for? Anybody, other than Brian? Driving while Diversity, unity, and inclusion? Uh, cl 
close. The eye's a little off. It's diversity. Yeah, you don't need to apologize, bro. I mean, appreciate it. Brian Catania was going after it here this morning. Amen? But discipleship is the D, uh, and that's each of us is devoted to Christ. Unity, as we look to Christ, we unite with each other. That's the unifying bond that we have through the blood of Jesus. And then the final one is identity, in that our identity is in Christ. It's not our ethnicity, our background, where we're born, our politics, our gender, any of those things. And that if we're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, we are one people. We are one family. Amen? Amen. Philippians 1, uh, Brian kicked it off with together as one. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, he talked about the need to align your mindset. And I wanted to kind of key off of that a little bit today as we take a look at Philippians 3. But in Philippians 2, verse 2, he talked about being like-minded, one in spirit, of one mind with Christ and one another. So the title of the message this morning is, Only Jesus. Now with that, in light of what we've learned so far, how will you align your mindset? What are we called to do to align our mindset? Is your mind aligned to Jesus? You know, in the message this morning, we're going to have the opportunity to unpack a pretty familiar passage for most of us in Philippians 3, and we're going to discover a few things that if we embrace them and strive to live them, 2020 can be different. It can be an amazing year if our focus is only Jesus. And ultimately, one of the things that we'll see in Philippians 3 is this need to forget what is behind and press on towards what's ahead. 700 years before Jesus put on flesh and stepped down onto this planet, God breathed the following words through the prophet Isaiah. You know, and just kind of thinking through what has taken place up to this point in time, the Jewish population, the, the, the Jews had seen amazing days. They'd experienced great victories. Now, they'd been enslaved. They'd been delivered from slavery. They had great victories after incredible suffering. But every time they would stray, there would be issues that would come up again, and there was more suffering. And at this point in time, when Isaiah was speaking, they had really lost all hope. They had wondered where God had gone, and they had longed for things to be different. Any of you relate to this? Any of you ever been in a position like that where you, know, you were longing for something different than what you were going through? If that is the case, then maybe these years, these words here that are over 2,700 years old, that God breathed, which are living and active, will speak to you as they spoke to me and as it spoke to them. In Isaiah 43, verse 16, it reads, This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like the wick of a candle. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I love this. This is what we're in the midst of. In other words, the one speaking to you is the Lord God, the creator, your king. The one who makes a way where there seemingly is no way is the same one who draws out and defeats our enemies. Those who seek to steal freedom and deliverance. The very one that won for you, that won for me. We, you and me, are living this new thing, God's new thing. You may be asking yourselves after that buildup, what is this new thing? 
Well, let's take a look at Philippians 3, and this will be our primary passage this morning. I'm coming out of the uh, contemporary English version. It tends to be, uh, in light of this passage, uh, much more word for word in relationship to the Greek. Um, so you may see some differences. If you're uh, on, on a Bible electronically, you can flip to that particular version. It's CEV. But it starts out in verse 1. It says, Finally, my dear friends, be glad you belong to the Lord. It doesn't bother me to write the same things to you that I've written before. So Paul understood the need for space repetition. He understood the need to really connect and help people understand where he was coming from here. He continues, Watch out for those people who behave like dogs. They're evil, and they want to do more than just circumcise you. But we are the ones who are truly circumcised because we worship by the power of God's Spirit, and we take pride in Christ Jesus. We don't brag about what we've done, although I could. Others may brag about themselves, but I have more reason to brag than anyone else. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, and I am from the nation of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a true Hebrew, a Pharisee. I strictly obeyed the laws of Moses. I was so eager, I even made trouble for the church. I did everything the law demands to please God. You know, here we have the opportunity to get a little bit of insight as to who Paul is. Paul was talking about the prestige that was his in the Jewish community. He had these amazing credentials. But what we're about to see is Paul get a different mindset. Paul starts to pivot in this passage. And I believe the spirit right here in this passage, as Brian has shared with us over the last couple weeks, is employing one of the teaching techniques of Scripture, comparison and contrast. This comparison and contrast is to paint a picture. A picture of the person whose mind is set on earthly things contrasted with the mind of the person who is set on eternal things. So we've just seen Paul walk through the, the earthly focus that he had and is about to shift gears here. See, before he was saved, Paul considered himself perfect, faultless. He was proud to be a Pharisee. But now that he's saved, he sees that he is far from where he would like to be now that he's transitioning, he's pivoting from this focus on earthly things to eternal things in verse 7. Verse 7, it says, But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've given up everything else. I count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. God accepted me simply because of my faith in Christ. So we see this perspective going from who he was, these earthly things, to who he's now become, and the incredible significance of being a son of God, having been baptized through the waters of forgiveness and participating in that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Paul had time to realize that no amount of perfection, law-keeping, religiosity, money, stature, class, or schooling made him acceptable to God. There's only one person that was able to do that. Only Jesus could. Only the blood of Jesus washed away Paul's sins through baptism. Only Jesus brought hope, grace, peace, and forgiveness. Only Jesus makes us acceptable to God and that's why Paul says in verse 8, I count all these things that I gained as garbage compared to knowing Christ. 
Now, it's kind of interesting. The Greek word that's translated as rubbish or garbage in this passage is skubalon. It actually translates animal excrement, dung. And, you know, and as we sit here and we think about that for a moment, it's, you know, not the most uplifting thing. It's kind of disgusting. But I think Paul was really trying to, again, give us this incredible contrast between earthly things and what God has in store for us, not only in this life, but for eternity. You know, and I think as some of you were sitting there kind of envisioning that, you know, if we walk dogs, we understand what that means. We have our little baggies that we have to take with us to make sure that we clean up after our dogs. And I honestly think that, there's a certain shock value that Paul wanted his readers to understand here, that this may well be Paul's meaning here, especially since the context is about what the flesh produces. When compared to what we receive by faith in Christ, all of our accomplishments, everything that we do, the only thing we honestly can bring to the table on our own is like the excrement of animals. That's when we compare to, again, from earthly to that spiritual realm, what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's garbage in comparison to his glory. It's garbage in comparison to his mercy and his righteousness. What a contrast. I'm sure Paul, again, brings us up to help us from becoming how, when he looked, when he looked at his earthly self, there's this amazing sense of arrogance that can sneak in, sneak in there, but ultimately, by starting to focus on Christ and what Christ has brought for us, it gives us the ability to start to mature in Christ. And I believe Paul's cautioning us here. He's saying to be careful. Pay careful attention to your heart and to your mindset. Yeah. So this morning, the thing that I want you to ask yourselves is, are you satisfied in Christ? Are you content in Christ? Genesis 15, verse 1, it reads, gives us some insight as to what God has in store for us. It tells us that God is our great reward. Only Jesus. But you know, I think sometimes we get into this, well, is Jesus really enough? You know, what can cause us to grow discontented, dissatisfied with our life as a Christian? Well, I think what can happen is it can start when we start comparing ourselves with others rather than comparing ourselves to Christ. You know, when we compare ourselves to others, it's usually with a critical heart to make us feel better ourselves. Ultimately, better about ourselves than we should. We can get puffed up. We can get proud. We start to think that we have the only opinion that matters. Or that our opinion is the only opinion that's valid. Which does anything but unify. It ultimately nullifies what Jesus came to build us into. The church, which is... Jesus, unified in Jesus only. And it may start with something as innocuous as an opinion. Maybe it starts with, you know, the songs that are sung at service. Well, man, those were amazing. Or, you know, there are a couple of those I really could have done without. And maybe it's about the preacher that you want to hear preaching. You know, maybe I'm not the one you want to hear this morning. I'm fine with that. But when we start drawing comparisons, well, I like this guy better than that guy, or this guy just doesn't do it, what is that? That's our opinion. And when it comes to comparing ourselves to Christ, is it valid? See, because when we compare ourselves to anyone other than Christ, we lose sight of our discipleship. We lose sight of our unity. And if we think about it within the, the context of our community, 
I mean, ultimately what it is is what we experience on Sunday. Now, we don't have a whole lot of anything going on in the way of sports on Sunday, but, you know, we can all relate to sitting on the couch watching a game and how we would have done something different than the pitcher did or the catcher did or the quarterback did or whoever it is. You know, we got those couch quarterbacks going on. And I think when, there's no room, guys, as disciples to be a couch quarterback. There's no room for being a cynic. There's no room, dare I say, for being a critic. And as we continue in verse 10, in this very familiar passage in Philippians 3, it should take on a newer and richer meaning for us here this morning if we think about it in the context of cultural humility. Brian did a phenomenal job of walking us through the mindset of Christ, what Jesus was willing to do for each and every one of us. So if we think about that in the context of cultural humility and division that can occur in the church, hopefully when we go through verse 10 right now, we'll read it anew. Verse 10. All I want to know is Christ and the power that raised him to life. I want to suffer and die as he did so that somehow I may be raised to new life. Paul is, again, there's this huge shift. It's not about being trained by Gamaliel. It's not about being the Pharisee of Pharisees. It's not about any of those things. Amen. He understands that the thing that is so incredibly significant right now is to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of Jesus, the resurrection, the participation even in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, but not stopping there, realizing that there's so much more beyond that to achieve this being raised to life as well. Verse 12, he says, I've not reached my goal, and I'm not perfect, but Christ has taken hold of me, so I keep on running and struggling to take hold of the prize. My friends, I don't feel like I've already arrived, but I forget what is behind, and I struggle on towards what's ahead. You know, let's focus on the last part of verse 13 right here. It says, but I forget what is behind, and I struggle on for what's ahead. There are two amazingly precious gemstones, jewels, right here in this verse. The first one is liberation. Paul had to forget some things. He had to put behind what up until that point in time were the most amazing accomplishments you could have as a Jew. He had to forget those things. Yeah. And you know, I think for me, this is an area that I've had to wrestle with throughout the years, our, our accomplishments. You know, I had to forget why when it comes to my background and the secular world, the jobs that I've held, especially in times like this, stuff can creep into your head. You know, I, when I was working, when I was managing Hummer years ago, I received it. It would be the equivalent of a Super Bowl ring in the automobile industry. I had a Hummer ring. It was a gold ring, weighed close to half an ounce. It was a, a ginormous ring. And it was for accomplishments within the industry. I had achieved something that very few managers in the industry did at that point in time. You know, a number of years ago, that thing was an anchor for me. Not only was it heavy, but it anchored me in my past. I can't even tell you how many times as a Christian, as a minister, I would pull that ring out, I'd put it on, and I'd start thinking about what if I just stayed there? What if? Because I won all kinds of awards. We, I generated all kinds of additional income. And it takes me back to before I was a Christian, and then I had very low self-esteem issues, but in the business world, I was an incredible success. And with that success, you know, those things that you run through your mind, before I became a Christian, I'm a self-made man. I got this. I did this. 
with absolutely any regard for where the talent came from, where the ability came from. So, you know, a couple years ago, I sold that ring. I got rid of that anchor. You know, I, I think just, again, looking at these things, there are a lot of things that we can substitute for low self-esteem. You know, stories that you've been told as a kid about not, being, not measuring up. You know, Brian and I can relate to this. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure I've heard him share about this. We were pretty much of the same stature throughout high school. Uh, I was five foot tall, 99 pounds my freshman year. I got bullied a lot. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And there's all these things you even start telling yourself. You know, when you're the last one picked on a sports team, you just don't measure up. You don't amount to anything. And these things can plague you. These things can drag you down. These things can keep you from actualizing what God wants you to in this life. Mm -hmm. So I had to put behind me those things. And even when it comes to where we're currently at with COVID, you know, I, I've had to forget what we've already gone through since March. <laughs> it's not that long a time, but I've put it behind me. I don't want to care about it. I don't want to focus about it. I don't want to count the days, months, weeks, whatever. Or the fact that we've had false starts with being able to reopen as a church because those things don't do me any good. I get annoyed. I get frustrated. I get angry. And I think that's another reason why I need to just kind of push that back and look forward to the rest of the year that we have before us here. Pride and regrets. These are other things that can slip in there. Paul refused to be enslaved by the past. And he knew he needed to be liberated from the past. You know, there are many people here today who are still in shackles when it comes to the past. And God's word tells us to forget those things that lie behind. Don't look back, which ultimately can be hard at times, right? Why? Because we've lived them and they're real. And it's a lot easier to hang on to reality, good, bad, or ugly. Because we've been there. And you know, and I don't want to say you can't learn from your past, but we need to make sure that we don't live in the past. You know, there's this uh, thing called a uh, rearview mirror in your car. Now, it's quite a bit smaller than the windshield, right? Yes. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> it's quite a bit smaller than the windshield. You know why? Because what's in front of you is much more important than what's behind you. Think about driving with just a rearview mirror, no front windshield. Would you get very far? And I think ultimately many Christians are stuck looking behind, looking through that rearview mirror. Now, I was, I was in, a, in a pretty bad accident about 25, 30 years ago where a woman was doing her makeup in her rearview mirror. And guess where she ended up? In the back seat of my car. So we, we've got to be careful with that. Many Christians are stuck looking behind through that rearview mirror. You have to always keep your eyes on the road ahead. Paul, you know, I guess it was chariot related back then. You'd have to look over your shoulder and who knows where the chariot would go if you did. But others need to be liberated from the guilt of the past. Paul could have wallowed in guilt. He could have focused on his failures in the past, but he didn't. He knew that God had forgiven him and he refused to think about his past sins. You, know, you think about it, the arrogance about who he was, the fact that he took pride in chasing down Christians, imprisoning them, looking on while Christians were killed for their faith. That can be debilitating once you realize that what you were doing was wrong. So where's your focus? Where's your focus this morning? Sins of the past can be debilitating, anger, impatience. These are things that I've had to wrestle with through the years. Anger and impatience with my wife, anger and impatience with my kids, 
adultery before I became a Christian. And even as a disciple, there's still those debilitating sins that can slip back in there if I get stuck in the rearview mirror and I lose sight of what's ahead of me, like pornography. Buying into Satan's lies as to how others will be perceiving, being much more concerned about how others think about me, what others are saying about me, rather than how God views me and what God says about me. Right. Now, I don't think there's any of us here this morning that are not ashamed of something that's taken place in our past. And the devil will utilize this. The devil reminds us of these things, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, he whispers in your ear, oh man, see, you know, you, you tried with those New Year's resolutions, or you tried to change this, and you've been working on this for years now, but guess what? You failed again. Why bother? You know, a couple of his names, we've got to keep this in mind, are deceiver and accuser. And we can allow them in. We can allow him into luring us into living in the past, beating ourselves up over the sins that have already been confessed and forgiven through the waters of baptism. Satan would love to keep you in those chains. He would love to keep you enslaved. And whenever Satan reminds you of your past, we've got to change the, the, the outcome of the story here. When he reminds us, we need to remind him whose we are. We need to remind him of the future that we have in Christ. We need to remind ourselves of God's grace. Remember Jesus. Remember his love for you. Remember he chose you and called you out of darkness and gave you a new life. Amen. You know, we see Paul talking about joy and rejoicing a lot. This is something as disciples, we need to remember only Jesus. And we need to rejoice in his mercy and we need to rejoice in his grace. Amen. You know, maybe for you it's not regret or guilt but glory in the past. You know, we think about all we've accomplished for ourselves and the Lord. Are you still holding on to the glories of the past? Are you living in the good old days? And we've got to remember this, the good old days, and I've been hearing this a lot more from people recently, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It wasn't that many months ago where you could go wherever you wanted, eat wherever you wanted, and you do whatever you wanted, and, you know, those are the good old days for us now. It's just a few months ago. But that's, that's just it. They are old. They're in the past. And you can either sit around wishing for the good old days return, or you can do something about today. You can do something about tomorrow. Amen. See, we're not perfect. We do need to realize the darker the world gets around us, the more disciples of Jesus shine. The more the family of God, our faith family, shine for the Lord. And again, we're not perfect. This church isn't perfect. But we are God's. Amen. We are His, and this body of believers here in the South Bay Church for those of you who know the John, John Louis, John Louis would say, you're mighty fine. <laughs> Do you see it? Do you realize it? All the great things God is doing in our church. You know, we've seen in the Middle East, we're seeing it here, baptisms, global assistance, and because we are saved, you, each and every one of us, can do so much more. Other people need to be liberated from the grief of the past. Maybe some of you have lost loved ones so far this year. You lost something or someone very dear to you. You need to focus your eyes on Jesus and not the loss from the past. Because, get this guys, God gets it. God knows pain. God knows grief. God knows separation. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows on a cross. Right. And the devil will use grief to paralyze you and keep you from ever doing anything else for the Lord. Some of you may need to be liberated from the grudges of the past right here in our church. 
Some of you may need to be liberated from the grudges of the past. Someone hurt you. Someone did you wrong, and you can't get past it. It's distracted you from the most important things ever. And keep in mind, Paul had been hurt by many people. I mean, he had gone through a heck of a lot more than any of us listening to this today. But Paul didn't hold a grudge. He let it go, and he gave it to God. He put it behind him in the past where it belonged. He pressed on towards the future. And maybe this morning you need help, and that's okay. That's okay. We have tons of resources. We have each other. There's tons of researches in the church. You know, uh, Jack has sent it out. There's a, a link that went out earlier here today. Uh, she's sending it out right now as we speak. Most of you, and I, I, take, I take responsibility for this. I have not done a good job about letting you guys know what's available out there. Disciples Today has got an amazing amount of resources. They have podcasts. They have books, videos, music. They have coaching. They have videos. They have study series. Just, I mean, there's pages and pages, new Christian material, specialty ministries, page after page after page of specialty ministry, workshops. I mean, you can take the time to go through it, names you know, names that you don't, but stuff that can help us with any of the issues we have from our past that we want help overcoming. Amen. Second precious jewel out of that passage in verse 13 is determination. Paul says, I struggle for what is ahead. The key to success in area, any area of life is determination. You want to be a good jock? You've got to be determined. You've got to fight. You go after it. You want to do great in school? It just doesn't happen. It won't fall in your lap. And for those of you that are students at home, my heart goes out to you. I've been praying for you. I know it's all over the map as to what school looks like, but guess what? You are God's. Amen. Be determined. No matter what the learning environment that you're in, you're going to crank it. You're going to do awesome things for God. You're going to be a light to the other students that you have on those Zoom calls. Key to success in any area, area again is determination, this laser focus, this understanding that there's hard work ahead, an unwillingness to quit. No matter what you attempt in life, you'll not be successful without determination. You know, and what, what does that mean for us? We're going to have to avoid distractions, negative self-talk, which ultimately is straight from hell. And as disciples of Jesus, we should be, must be, determined to be just like Jesus. Study out his character. If you haven't been through the Gospels in a while, take the time to go back through the Gospels. Look at Jesus' character, how he dealt with different situations, different scenarios, different people. And then we need to go and do exactly the same. Walk like Jesus. Only Jesus. Love God, your neighbors, your friends, coworkers, classmates, families, and enemies, just like Jesus. Paul continues in verse 14. He says, I run toward the goal so that I can win the prize being called to heaven. This is the prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. In verse 8, Philippians 4, verse 8. Sorry, Dave, I know you're going to be preaching on this next week, but had to steal this one and plug it in here. Philippians 4, verse 8, Dave says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. You want a practical for today? Take a look back through these scriptures, especially what we have right here in Philippians 4. 
There's a lot going on there. Noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Put those things into action. That's the practical for the day. Paul is determined. He is relentlessly pursuing this goal. And at this time of writing, keep in mind, Paul's an old guy. He's in prison, but he hasn't quit. He hasn't lost sight of the goal. Most people would have quit, especially after everything he had been through, but not Paul. And, you know, ultimately, the thing that I'm going to be praying for each and every one of us is that we each, that God gives us the kind of determination that Paul demonstrated in this passage and that we have that determination this year more than any year ever to walk with God, to grow and mature as we strive to be like Jesus. Run towards the goal, verse 14, so I can win the prize of being called heavenward. This is the prize God offers because of what Jesus Christ has done. And Paul's not telling us here, we got to keep this in mind. He's not telling us here how to be saved. He's telling us how to live now that we are saved. Again, he's telling us how to live now because we are saved. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to do good works. Salvation is the work that God does. Salvation is the work that God does for us. Sanctification is the work that God does in us. And then finally, service is the work that God does through us. This message this morning is as much for me as it is for you. I want my life to count. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to look back with regrets at the end and wish I had done more for Christ. I want to hear my Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if that is to be, we need to do an evaluation of our lives this morning. In verse 12, 13a, Paul says, or in verse 13, not that I've already obtained this or have become perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have, been, that I have made it my own. And you know, what we see Paul doing here is making a, an honest evaluation of his life. Again, he's an old man, and he's facing death. And Paul's response is, I have not arrived. I am not there yet. I am not perfect, but I want to grab hold of what Christ saved me for. I want to be just like Jesus, and I'm not. So I'm going to keep striving and straining. And I think we need to understand, we're not there yet either, but we're going to get there, church, amen? As we go on, more and more like Christ. I do want to address one final thing as we bring this to a close here this morning. There's presently pride, division, racial bias, and selfishness in our church. Yes, in our church, God's church. And you know, and I don't have time to substantiate the claims. I don't have time to walk through all the phone calls, emails, texts, WhatsApp, however I'm being communicated with. And I do want to caution you right now. If you felt the defensiveness well up in you because of that statement, it's because you are thinking about self. You're not thinking with the mindset and the humility of Christ. Yet as we each, one by one, soul by soul, humble ourselves and are willing to suffer and strive towards being just like Jesus, guess what? There's going to be impact. We'll align ourselves with one another as well. We'll have increasing unity 
in Christ-like mindedness. Phreneo, I believe, was the term that Brian used a week or so ago. That Christ-like mindedness is the thing that's going to change the church. It's the thing that's going to change our community. It's the thing that's going to change our world. Philippians 3, verse 15. says, All of us who are mature should think in the same way, and if any of you think differently, God will make it clear to you. But we must keep going in the direction that we are now headed, my friends. I want you to follow my example and learn from others who closely follow the example we set for you. See, this is where this is what every member of the church should aspire to, the mindset of Christ. Amen. To set our, aside ourselves, as we saw Jesus in Philippians 2, to consider one another better, to value and esteem each other, to rejoice and suffer along one another. And if we're not there yet, Paul says, God will make it clear to you. You'll get there. But we need to follow Christ's example. We need to follow Paul's example. We need to follow the lives of the men and women that are in our lives that are worthy of following their example, that are doing these things. Learn from those that live, as Paul said, that live as we do. And then finally, again, all of us who mature should think in the same way for Nao. If any of you think differently, God will make it clear. Philippians 3.20, it closes out with the place that we all want to get. Where's our citizenship as baptized disciples? Our citizenship is in heaven. And brothers and sisters, we have such an amazing life before us. We have so much yet to look forward to. We've been given a new life in Jesus Christ. Walking away from here today, please remember, if you're down, if you feel like you're being, you've got stuff in the past that's bothering you, there's issues with whether it's brothers and sisters, coworkers, whatever it may be, only Jesus, only Jesus promises life to the full now and this incredibly amazing prize that lays ahead of us all, which is heaven. Let's be determined to be like Jesus, only Jesus, and to be God, be the glory. Right now, I'd love to give you my wife, Jacqueline Marici. Whoa. Did I knock stuff over? Hello, hello. Hello, South Bay Church. I just want to say congratulations. And I am so, once again, so impressed and so thankful for your hearts in serving all of our mission fields uh, that God has uh, charged us with. And I just want to say how proud I am and how uh, honored we are to serve here in South Bay along such great men and women who have a heart for God's people here, but also all over our mission field. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So, you know, um, Steve talked about today paying careful attention to our mindsets. Uh, that's what we're called to in the Bible. Where Paul's calling us to pay careful attention to your mindset. I know that I don't do that all the time. I can get caught up in what I'm hearing in the news, get caught up in, in a text I got or a post that somebody posted that I'm like, are you kidding me? Why did somebody post this? Um, right? And, uh, and my mindset, I feel like, how can people not think the way I think, right? So I think we got to be careful with that. I know I do. But more than that, I have to be careful that my mindset is aligned with Christ versus the world. Uh, those that know me know that I can have an opinion or two. Um, but I like to remind myself that when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask me, Jackie, what's your opinion? Right? <laughs> My opinion is not going to matter a whole lot at that point. At that point, he's going to say, did you align your mind with mine? Did you follow me? Did you walk with me as Jesus? 
connected with God. And that's what we're called to, brothers and sisters. And so we have to align our minds with Christ. You know, Jesus, only Jesus, as Steve said, is the great liberator. He is the giver of new life. Only Jesus. Like I said, I can get caught up in different things at different times that are going on in the world around me. None of those things are going to liberate me. None of, none of those things are, are giver, givers of new life. I have to, in, even in those issues that I'm struggling with, I have to align my mindset with the Word of God. And that helps me, again, to see things through God's eyes. But I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I guess I just want to leave here today myself determined that I align myself with Christ. Amen. And I want to give a shameless plug right now to... Uh, my YouTube channel and our Encourage My Soul a Quiet Time series. I want to thank Renee Hadley for giving me a kick in the hindsight. I can say that word, the hindsight, um, to get it up and going and get it off the ground. And now we have participating women from all over the world, and I'm really, really excited. We're having more and more videos coming in. So we're going to probably be doing this through the end of the year. But, uh, you know, twice a week we're sending out videos from different women all over the world, many from L.A., many from South Bay. Uh, this week we have, uh, uh, I think we have, let's see, we have Jesse from uh, Beirut, Lebanon, who's going to share this week. And uh, we have Dawn Russell, who uh, is going to be sharing this week. But please go to my YouTube channel. It's tinyurl.com. Betty is putting it in the feed, the chat, tinyurl.com forward slash just whatever slash just jack j-a-c-q uh there's also some funny things on there there's some bloopers on there uh there is going to be another segment that i titled um it's going to be all the shenanigans of us with our grandkids and the things that they say and do and it's called nona i'm here because that's how cadence announces herself when she comes in at 6 a.m in the morning all right love you guys again so so proud of the south bay church God be with us. We're going to go ahead and uh, pray for the community right now. I, I want to get a shameless plug in, though. I think my wife's amazing. Renee, thanks for being the catalyst. For those of you on the receiving end of uh, these video devotionals, my wife has been pouring countless hours every day into collecting the information, editing it, uploading it. Uh, she is uh, quite the techie in our house now. Uh, as she's taking this project on. And uh, uh, the, it is something that uh, is going to get much wider distribution here going forward. And then Roger Lamb reached out, and uh, they're going to be talking about it on Disciples Today as well. So very exciting that we're able to connect globally on this level and just really helping point each other back to Christ. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, uh, just thinking through uh, the lesson this morning, the scriptures that were involved, and uh, Paul's perspective, uh, I, I want to pray for myself that I can have that degree of determination going forward, uh, that there will always be a much deeper sense of gratitude for what Jesus has done for me, and there's absolutely nothing that I can do that would even, even just create any kind of a bond between God other than what Jesus has done. Father, uh, thank you so much for, as my granddaughter said, coming down and dying for three days, but rising again for eternity, knowing that through Christ... We have this relationship with you. We have this incredible life to the full now, but this amazing prize at the end that we're all straining towards. Father, speed heaven along for us. Help us to uh, stay faithful to you and allow you to work through us so that we can all hear on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Father, I love you. I thank you for times like this where we can really focus on you and what an amazing God you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.